This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Saturday Morning Mysteries, where we are your hosts. I'm Alexis. I'm Grace. And we are back for another exciting installation of the wonderful, exciting show, The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan. Whispers getting all day long. The Amazing Chan. Uh, yeah, and Grace is up today with another episode, so I'm going to hand it on off to her. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and as we start this episode off, a little disclaimer at mm. the start here, uh, which I'm also, I'm doing episode uh, five called Eye of the Idol. Um, mm. So the disclaimer <clears throat> is that in our first two episodes, we gave like a good amount of compliments and credits like credit to the show for having in 1970 a show that starred a Chinese American family as the mm-hmm. stars and like overall being less racist than other 1970 shows. Yes. But <laughs> we just hadn't gotten to the episodes that contained the races that they were racist against yet. But we do okay. in this episode. Yay! Not actually. So. Sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, no. So, um, yes, just a fair warning that there are some depictions in this episode that are choices that these writers in 1970 made. They made. Okay. Well, you know, yeah, beggars can't be choosers, Grace. We can't get, (laughs) they can't get everything right. (laughs) And we were just so, we, we were so excited. We were like, oh my God, look how amazing they did. And then I started this episode and probably five minutes in and I was like oh, oops no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean oh, we no. don't totally retract that so, to be fair the Chan family is still generally well represented but yeah yes okay all right Again, we just had not come across the races that uh, the right the animators I would say the animators actually not the writers that the okay. animators well fair. no there's a line or two okay yeah. you know what when all you see it, you'll know. Okay. okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we begin on the docks of an undisclosed location as mm. this huge ship is docking, mooring, whatever. Um, and it's not like a steamer ship or like a, a like industrial ship or anything. This shit is a yacht, like mm. a luxe yacht, which... Also, total side note, did you know that super rich people will, quote unquote, donate their yachts to like companies or like, quote unquote, companies they are like, quote unquote, nonprofits that they'll sell their yachts to for tax breaks? Oh, so my God. Yeah, because like, it's a three, gift or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Like Here's a $3 million dollar tax break. Sierra yeah. Club. <laughs> you need this. <laughs> Enjoy. So. <laughs> Anyways, wow. there's a lot of side tangents I get into at the start of this episode because I just I'm here for it. <laughs> we just went with a stream of consciousness in whatever took my fancy this episode. Okay. So anyways, we indeed confirm that this is a luxe, a luxury yacht, as we see the owner step off and greet Charlie Chan on the docks. The owner is an Indian man who's in a tan, and I'm gonna mess up some of these terms. Uh pronouncing them 
Believe it or not, I don't know Hindi. Surprise, surprise. Oh, <laughs> um, I'll teach you uh, later. <laughs> hangs up. Yeah. Um, in like a tan uh Joe Jod Purry suit, which is like that like closed neck suit with kind of like a longer jacket. Okay. Um he has a black pointed beard and is wearing a white, I think it's pronounced like pagri, which is kind of like a manually tied, um, like more traditional like Indian turban um, that has like this big piece of jade at the front. Mm-hmm. Um, side note, also showing my ignorance that that could be their correct term for it. It could also not be. Obviously, there's like so many different uh, uh like cultures within india yeah. no idea where, where this one came from where the writers are. didn't either you so, know i'm happy you just didn't call it a turban that's fair. Yeah. you actually looked up the type yeah some points at least yeah <laughs> yeah um because and this one like is specifically that's like connected to like the sikhs and thus again i was like I'm getting too much in a rabbit hole that I will not have answers to. (laughs) But the point here that the writers are trying to say is like, hey, look, this is a Maharaja and he is Mm -hmm. rich. Now, in the 1970s, the Maharajas of India, which is like an Indian prince, actually had no royal status anymore following India's independence in 1947. Mm -hmm. So, I got a real deep rabbit hole on what happened to the Maharajas. <laughs> I'm loving it. I mean, I hope, I hope you're going into it. You're not going to skip over it, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to go into Good. it. Stuff and at first, after I like literally read like six articles about it, of like what happened to the great Maharajas of India type of stories, um, I was like, what did I do? What's happening? This is irrelevant, but actually turns out not to be which we'll get into at the end but nonetheless um yes post independence in 1947 uh the maharajas the indian royalty lost their status as royals and some ex-royal families uh kind of just became like ordinary citizens they lost their wealth and status like they just didn't I don't know, invest their money well, or they weren't like important enough in their connections to like keep their wealth. Um, mm. While some uh, still to this day are basically modern royalty, AKA rich as fuck still, their families kept that money, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, clearly this man who is meeting with Mr. Chan uh, came from one of the families that invested their money well upon losing their royal status. And what did they invest their money in? Artifacts and art, baby. Oh, God. It, it all comes full circle for you, Grace. <laughs> Always. By the way, I think today our actual recording is the, like, whatever anniversary of the Isabella Stewart Gardner <gasps> um, museum being robbed. Still nice. my favorite. That's my where favorite podcast all began, essentially. Yes, exactly. Yes. Art thieving. Anyways. <laughs> This Maharaja, which we're just going to refer to him as that, again, even though technically no longer Maharaja, uh, not in art thieving, but in legitimate trade. He's he's actually trading these pieces, which is why he's hired Charlie Chan, because Charlie Chan is here to help transport, quote, the most valuable piece of jade in the world to whatever collector this prince is selling this piece of jade to. 
which I was like, the most valuable piece of jade in the world. How much would that even be? Like, what is that? Yeah. What does that be? And unlike my research into Maharajas, I clicked on one article and did not fact check (laughs) it anyway. That's enough. Which said jade per carat could cost between $2 per carat per carat to three million dollars per carat so i said that's enough research that's too wide of a range (laughs) so it could be from two dollars to three million (laughs) or i guess it's multiple carats of jade maybe so it could be two dollars to 12 million maybe (laughs) it could be two dollars four dollars 12 million we just don't know I stopped researching after that range was given to me. (laughs) So again, in this unverified source I found in Google. So anyways, this jade that the prince is here to sell to a collector um, is in like the center. It's like in an idol, like a a statue that's like this nondescript like Hindu or Buddhist looking statue. Uh, But it's sitting this like big chunk of jade is sitting almost as like a third eye type of thing okay. in this statue so again the prince comes off the boat he meets charlie chan with some of like his entourage which includes the ship's captain <laughs> who's kind of like a... <laughs> yes. sorry i thought you meant with charlie chan's entourage <laughs> aka his kids it's <laughs> that's how that charlie introduces them to like seem more professional here's my entourage but like three of them are like six and under yeah like two of them are just picking their noses because they're six years old (laughs) choo-choo's just barking yeah here's my entourage my entourage try to mess with me yeah pull up see what happens no the prince is yes entourage slightly more profesh right Um, probably more threatening I'm just picturing like the two quote unquote entourages meeting all on West Side Story, <laughs> but it's like actual like gang with knives and then like children. For those not watching, we're snapping all on West yes, Side Story, which course. is our favorite sign that a fight's about to break out. Yes. Just oh shit, it's about to go down. It's about to go down. If you hear snapping anywhere, watch out watch out it's about, to go, about to go down but it's like they're lined up too sorry to keep this tangent going but like charlie's in the middle of his entourage the maharaj is in the middle of his and, they have like and they're all just five five massive security guards and you have like a little scooter like snapping and like dead eyes staring this massive security guard like yeah seems like a fair fight <laughs> seems like a great weekend with dad yes as they always are (laughs) Um, so on the one side of the entourage gang we've got uh the ship's captain who is a husky man with like a chin beard we've got lieutenant morrison who i'm just gonna refer to as the lieutenant uh who i presume is also there as just kind of like a legal uh, an actual legal authority to like (laughs) ensure that this drop-off is good and then Mr. Slively, who is this like thin dude with gray hair, and he is the Maharaja's assistant. I'm just going to call him the assistant. So as the men, again, all great Charlie Chan, they head into like this like boathouse on the docks um, to talk about the transportation plans of the idol and the jade, basically there to like 
here's the plan. Here's the security detail. Um, and the Chan entourage, if you will, is there again, weekend with dad. Uh, and they're talking as they usually do on these jobs of like, oh yeah, do we think this is safe? Like, nah, da- there's some like tight security going on here. And this is when we see some of this security and we'll start off with the good. So as they bring the like idol off of the ship, uh, the boat ramp or whatever down to the dock is lined with like barbed wire fencing that shoots out, oh, wow. probably pulsing with electricity. Cause I think Charlie Chan loves to make electric fences. I've noticed <laughs> in his security it's a specialty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the bad part of the security is that and not the security, the animation <laughs> Oh, okay. Is that the people carrying the idol off the boat Uh is uh, like the personal guard of the prince. And they're all Indian men. And even though it's 1970, they're wearing the like high-waisted kind of like flowy pants, vests with no shirt underneath, (sighs) the like pagris, like the, again, kind of like the Indian head wrap. For some reason, they have the like enormous like broad swords, and they're carrying the idol in like um, shoot, what is it called? Kind of like the wooden like thing on like the shoulders, oh, and it's okay. like at the that, center like, of it. People are carrying or whatever. Yes, like yeah, a litter, okay. I think is what it's called. Okay. But like, yeah, there's no reason in 1970 a but, personal yeah. security detail for a prince isn't actually wearing like bulletproofed everything and having... right and just like normal suits. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, like secret like service suit. suits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like sunglasses. Yeah. They're shirtless, et cetera, et cetera. It's and hot. then to, and then to remind us, um, one of the kids exclaims, as if somehow surprised, they're Indians. And then one of the other kids looks at the giant swords and goes, For once, I'm glad I'm not a cowboy. So uh, doubling down on some racism of Indians uh, and Native Americans all into one moment. So beautiful. Not well. We don't love it. <laughs> we don't love it at yeah. all. <laughs> so it was a choice that was made. It happened. Again, I was like, wow, great job. Like the when the prince comes off, he's just like a, a normal rich dude. Again, a little bit being like, He's Indian, look. But like, all right, fine, whatever. And then this happened and I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, they clearly just put them, they put them in that sort of clothing, the animators slash writers, so that the viewers could know like, oh, they're in India or something somewhere in that region. So like, the kids did not need to follow it up (laughs) with those horrible jokes. We know. Exactly. (laughs) Like, stop while you're ahead. And actually, yep. when you were ahead, you were technically still behind. <laughs> so just you were stop. inching ahead yeah. by 1970 standards. Yes. Um, luckily, there's not too much. There's like one or two more things. Again, inching ahead other 1970 standards. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth acknowledging it for those who then go and watch this. Yeah. But yeah. while all of this is happening, you know, Casual racism on the docks, talking about security plans, mm-hmm. the huge. Um, we see in the upstairs of the boathouse um, that there's someone watching all of this happen. 
And all we see is that this is a figure in a large trench coat. I'm going to presume a man because he has a big black mustache. And okay. with him is a big black dog. And with like this mm. cute little red collar on. And we see the man pull out from his pocket a smoke bomb that he tosses into a trash can and then disappears. And moments later, the men, so like the Maharaja, that squad, Charlie Chan, all enter the room and they put the idol on the desk to like you know, look at it, talk about their plans. Um, but just then the smoke bomb goes off. It sets off the fire alarm. Charlie Chan helps escort everyone out of the office. Indeed, obviously thinking that there's a fire. Not to fear, though, because while Charlie Chan is doing that, his very smart children decide to run into the possibly burning wood building. Run to towards tr- the danger. <laughs> towards the nice. danger. Danger is all of their middle names. <laughs> Nancy Danger Chan. Alan Danger Chan. <laughs> Tom Danger Chan. The fact that you said Nancy first, just that makes me so happy. She's the least dangerous of them all. (laughs) Um, So yes, the the danger chans um, run into the burning building, uh, the possibly burning building. They, Mm -hmm. of course, unsuccessfully get into shenanigans, or they successfully get into shenanigans to unsuccessfully deal with this until Tom aka the nerd just walks into the room sees it's a smoke bomb coming from a trash can and puts like another like trash can on top of it to like cut off the smoke bomb everyone files into the room slightly ashamed that they did not think of that got outsmarted by this 14 year old um and they see the statues sitting on the desk so like cool no problem only the third eye of the idol aka the most expensive piece of jade in the world got plucked out and is gone oh gosh so rightfully charlie chan is like hey kids this is a crime scene you gotta get the fuck out of here get out of here (laughs) yeah you mess everything up (laughs) oh my gosh also i'm so sorry no total side note i think this is the first time this episode we've dropped the f-bomb um and this is so this is okay so real quick um Hi, Dad, who's listening now. Oh. Dad and Monica listen, but also, Hi. Dad, you asked me to send this to Mimi, a.k.a. Our, my grandma. No, no. <laughs> she cannot hear me speak like this. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> Dad, I told you this on the phone. I'm standing by it. Don't teach Mimi mm-hmm. how to use Spotify and find the podcast. Don't I do, do not want to bring YouTube. shame to her. <laughs> yeah, or YouTube. You don't want to oh, bring no. shame to this family. Uh, so that bridge is already burned. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Long oh, <gosh>. ago. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, understandably, my family doesn't care. <laughs> we're all their guard. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we're adults. So, adults. Gosh darn damn it. it. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Dang it. Gosh <clears throat> dang it. So, understandably the kids are mad about this um and they get to snooping around and eavesdropping this active crime scene and they overhear the lieutenant talking to charlie chan kind of giving him the update on like what the lieutenant has found and discovered thus far so that includes one they searched the premises and didn't find any jade anywhere they kind of did a quick look 
they obviously interviewed everyone. Um, mm-hmm. The assistant thinks that it must have been one of the guards since they were the ones transporting it. So they're in the process of like talking and questioning to the like questioning the guards right now. Um, and then there were reports because I guess they like went and talked to. They said the watchman. I don't know, like the dock master, whoever owns this dock. We'll fucking know. Okay. We never meet him. Uh, who indeed says there were reports of someone who was walking around with a large dog, but said person is gone now and nowhere to be seen. So those three leads are enough for the kids to say, let's solve this mystery. So <laughs> it's enough for them. So like you did, because I thought it was genius, I'm going to take this investigation like kid gang by kid gang and run through each of their investigations. So we're going to smart with the two smallest. So Mimi and Scooter, who think for a second, like, all right, they like to put themselves in the minds of the thief. So they think, (laughs) yes, the six and seven year old (laughs) who are snapping. (laughs) if i were a jewel thief what would i think (laughs) how would i get rid of this evidence is what they say themselves and they think okay you know what maybe they realized that someone would try and search them possibly so we got to get the evidence off ourselves and what if they're like sending it to the dealer or the boss or whoever we'd need to send it by mail so what if they dropped it in the closest like mailbox as like the drop-off point so it's not on their body anymore and bam it's in the mail already to the boss done and done so not a terrible i mean for six and seven year olds like yeah, oh given that yeah. prob- well anyway go ahead but yeah. you know there's probably some backing to for such a, a such a plot and plan like yeah mail the yeah. evidence somewhere else get it off your right. hands um mm-hmm. if you're the middleman hands are clean so mm-hmm. they like somewhere close to the docks they hit the first you know like on the street kind of like mailbox like the big rounded ones and they're like hmm but how do we know if it's in here so Mimi helps push Scooter into the mailbox and and Scooter starts opening up envelopes which is absolutely (laughs) a federal crime it's absolutely yes even tampering with the mailboxes, let yeah. alone opening the mail inside of one. Yeah, it's a thousand percent a federal crime that's going down. Um, and Mimi is just like watching this happen and then like quickly realizes like, oh, I don't know how to get him out of this. <laughs> like I had to help him crawl into it. <laughs> how does he get out? So Mimi's just we'll standing figure that there. out later. <laughs> She's just like standing guard as Scooter's on the inside of it. Um, also, sorry about my dogs going crazy right now. We will not be able to edit that out, folks. There no. are people coming to my door right now. So Mimi is just standing there, realizes there's no way to get Scooter out. And just in this moment, a mailman comes up who, you know, luckily is able to get them out, but also unluckily opens up the mailbox and there's a child in there who's just ripped open all of the mail. So this investigation is short-lived on their part. Okay. And then we've got Aeon, a.k.a. Jodie Foster, and Tom, who, I'm just going to only call her Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Um, who, from the docks, they spot another ship. It's not too far off um, in the distance. And they think, like, 
oh, this must be like the getaway ship. I bet like the thief is hopping on that ship, hitting those international waters. Hmm. And so just off the docks, they find like a little wooden rowboat. They tell the other like middle kids like, hey, we're going to hop on in here and head out to the docks. They're like, okay, great. Good plan. But as they just turned around to tell the other kids that, they happen to not see that from the water, someone in what turns out to be, I think, a favorite of this show, someone in scuba gear. Oh, goodness. <laughs> like in your last episode. Yeah. <laughs> come out from the depths and pull the uh, oars from the wooden ship or wooden oh. boat off yeah. so that when Jodie Foster and Tom get into the boat and a wave immediately like pushes them out to sea they're suddenly stranded because they have no oars yeah so which would be their investigation is also (laughs) short-lived perhaps also their lives at this rate (laughs) their short short teenage lives (laughs) (laughs) so then we have on the docks uh alan Nancy, Flip, and Susie, who just saw, um, yes, their other siblings go off to sea. Um, (laughs) When they were like, okay, well, someone clearly doesn't want us to get to that boat. Yeah. So instead of saying, we'll find a way to save them, they say, we'll find a way to get to that boat. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think this must be some type of, um, I don't know, like shipping dock. Because there's, like, this giant, like, crane on the edge of it that must be how, like, storage containers get picked off of boats and moved around. Yeah. But at the end of it, it's just, like, this giant, like, like net that, like, would scoop them up and then, like, move the storage container. And so these kids are like, look, if some of us get into the net... It can pick us up and swing us out to the other boat. <laughs> no problem. That sounds so dangerous. <laughs> so, Flip, Nancy, and Susie stand in the net thing. And Alan, uh, the, like, cool hip one with the big old uh, mm-hmm. disco hippie glasses, is like, I'll go up to, like, the crane operator and ask them, to, like, tell them our plan and ask them to, like, help us out. Do you think he's going to help you? (laughs) You know what? Alan doesn't have to worry about it because when he goes up there, there's no crane operator. So Alan is like, I got it. I am the crane operator. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at him. (laughs) So, yes, um, Alan goes up there. He's like, yeah, no one's here. I guess I'll just start pushing buttons. And so, indeed, he starts pushing buttons. He, like, scoops the siblings up in the net and starts actually pretty well because he's kind of like the tinkerer, like, slowly moving the net out uh, towards that other ship. Mm -hmm. But from behind Alan, uh, silently, like, hiding very terrifyingly in this room was a figure in scuba gear who, like, pulls and breaks some lever on kind of like the, I don't know, the motherboard and the crane just starts going in circles non-stop and the kids are like screaming like "Ah, the the most horrifying roller coaster ride ever or like amusement park ride exactly (laughs) so their investigation is also short-lived oh my gosh (laughs) 
<laughs> These kids are not off to a good start. It's like oh for two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then Choo Choo, who is adorably howling like a little siren, mm-hmm. um, which also when he did it, Mako, one of our dogs, one of my dogs, was like, "What the hell is that?" Very cute. She's very concerned about Choo Choo. It It worked for all of the dogs. (laughs) Um, So Choo Choo, Henry, and Stanley are prowling the streets just off of the docks to look for someone who matches the description of someone in the trench coat and a big black mustache. Um, So they pass a barber shop right off the docks where, surprise, they see someone with a mustache. Um, which on one hand, it's a barber shop, so it could just be something in their mustache trimmed. On the other hand, I also would change my appearance after possibly being seen committing a crime. <laughs> yes. Is this why you have dyed your hair purple? <laughs> <laughs> the anniversary Sorry. of the Isabel Stewart Carnival. <laughs> They're getting too close, man. Every every like few years, you gotta change something up. Grace is actually like 70 years old. You exactly. never knew. <laughs> Yeah. That's how I keep changing my appearance, all the plastic surgery, baby. Yeah. That painting, <laughs> dude. Or, it was, yeah. You got a lot of money for it. That's how you afford it to. Yes, for selling all those soul art. Yeah. Only reason. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yes, they uh, pull over and they're like, hmm, how do we like approach this situation and like confront this suspect? But thankfully, Stanley, the master of disguise, is like, hey, let's just go in and say that we, us, very obviously teenagers, are some plain-closed cops, which is absolutely Another a crime, crime. <laughs> Like, Ooh, impersonating boy. law enforcement. Yeah. And they're like, we're not in America, so we can do whatever we want. You're like, it's yeah, not incredibly... in America, right? Yeah, it's not legal... If it's illegal there, it's probably legal somewhere else. Let's just yeah. do it. I imagine um, it's illegal everywhere. <laughs> but like, I so, don't know. I'm not an expert in Indian law, but I would assume. <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing is that I don't even think they are in India. I think Uh-oh. because they were in like, just based on like the mailbox, it was definitely like a US like looking okay, yeah. USPS mailbox situation. Yeah. It's just, it's undisclosed. As per usual in the show. As per usual. But yes, uh, Henry is like, smartly like, I don't think that's a good idea. And Stanley is like, too late. I'm already walking in. (laughs) So he just busts into the barber shop and says, and like the man is like, you know, like laying back in the like barber's chair. He's got like the little barber, like, you know, cape thing on. And Stanley is like, you're under arrest we're cops and the man takes the like apron thing off and stands up and it's a cop <laughs> it's like please tell me he's a police officer yes. yeah <laughs> oh am i who the, who the hell are you show me yeah. your badge little boy yeah. no, i've never seen you before you literal child you, you knew you a cadet you, you in the academy yeah, you, a cadet. you an intern <laughs> Yeah. intern. Yeah, we tend to put the interns out on a undercover street patrol. For and make arrests. Yeah, With make that, arrest. like, warrantless arrests. <laughs> <laughs> so their investigation is also short-lived. 
hilariously cut to in jail an actual police station slash jail where all of the groups of kids have separately been brought in by various adults we've got Beanie and Scooter brought in by the um, USPS worker. We've got Jody, Foster, and Tom who were brought in by the ship captain who saw them out at sea. We've got the assistant, like the ship captain from the prince's boat. Yeah, We've got yeah. the assistant who helped on the docks with the crane situation and the lieutenant oh who brought in the kids impersonating a cop. Oh my God. So <laughs> hilarious. I'm like dying right now. They're all getting booked, baby. Yeah. Charlie's like, what the hell did I tell you guys? Char- <laughs> Don't get involved. Charlie shows up and is like, huh, this is an interesting family reunion in jail. <laughs> He's mad. Charlie's like there to help with like the investigation. And when a police officer comes and like whispers in his ear, and he's like, oh fuck no. <laughs> you're like, come with me. <laughs> like, he's like kids in like three separate cells. <laughs> they're li- they're not behind bars, but they are like fully separated by group and adult <laughs> who has brought them in. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just incredible. That's hilarious. And frankly, genius writing. Yes, um, I agree. And wow. Yeah. So Charlie and the bail man are pissed. The ship captain is like, watch your kids. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> the assistant is like, y'all, they were just trying to help. Like he's taking the kids side because the kids are obviously upset. They don't want to go to prison in this possibly foreign country. They've heard <laughs> rumors about what prison is like. It ain't pretty. For yeah, they don't want to get kids like that. <laughs> exactly. They do not want to get what if <laughs> in prison Nancy becomes the kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> For those who can't remember, Nancy is the one who the wiki page described it as like chunky and clumsy. <laughs> clumsy. She um she just has people like always bringing her like the best food from the commissary. <laughs> She's like the one who like revolutionizes jail cell or like prison cell cooking. <laughs> so everyone comes to her for the greatest recipes and like tips. And she's like, yeah, I'll do exactly. that in exchange for like one knife or something or like make a shit. Well, she also like gets people to bring in weapons via like the cakes and stuff. Yeah. And so she, yeah. She's like the, she's the godfather in this yes. prison. Uh, anyways since they are all minors um (laughs) they're able to um be let go but instead of uh bringing his children i don't know to like their airbnb or something charlie just lets them all leave like just walk out of prison and it's like i gotta get back on this case bye it's tough being a single father of 10 kids only once How many times will Charlie Chan need to learn? So, indeed, Charlie and the rest of the men get back on the case. The children all hop in the Chan van, which they brought with them to wherever they are. And on the, I guess, drive about town, they see a trench-coated man with a mustache in a phone booth with a big black dog. So Mm. the Chans are like, well, this is enough evidence. And (sighs) they screech to it. Like, literally, it's probably on the corner of the, like, jail. That they're just like, (laughs) back to crime. (laughs) 
back to unwarranted arrest, baby. (laughs) Because indeed, Flip runs out with handcuffs. Did he steal them from the prison? We can't confirm or deny, but most likely. Who knows? But yeah, most likely. (laughs) And because he's yelling at this man to now call his lawyer. So... As he approaches, Flip, again, is, like all of them, a literal child. So the adult very quickly just pushes him out of the way and flees on foot. (laughs) But he leaves the dog. So here we now split again into two separate investigations. So first, the older kids run after the trench-coated figure who took off on foot uh, into like this alleyway where the figure has disappeared into some back door. They find a back door that's like kind of ajar still and just break into this place. Um, no questions asked. Again, no warrant, et cetera, et cetera. They don't hear anyone, but as they're like creeping around this house, they do see this like carnival poster that's advertising Lily the Bearded Lady, pi- featuring a picture of, yes, a woman with a huge black mustache. And just as about they're about to push further, pardon me, into the depths of this house, they hear like a scream that makes them scream. Mm-hmm. And it just turns out to be a cat doing cat things. But because they've now already screamed in fright, they clearly gave away their cover. So they get the fuck out, which I will say is a good call. Good. So then the younger kids, as it is, exactly. They're like, well, (laughs) they know we're here. We've already done a B and E. Let's go. (laughs) So uh, back with the younger kids and Choo Choo, who were just left on the street corner with this abandoned dog, they bring him to their like Airbnb or whatever wherever they're staying at. Mm-hmm. Um, and this dog is like this very cute. He's like a black lab pit bull looking mix with again, a nice little collar. Maybe it's a brown collar, not a red collar anyways. Um, and he's kind of got like the like pointy ears that kind of like flop at the top. Aww. So he's yeah. very cute. Good boy. Um, and at their house or wherever they're staying, he just kind of like settles in and they're like, what do we do with this dog? I guess we, <laughs> Do we turn him into the cops? That never crosses their mind. No, um, I guess we have a dog now. But he Two starts dogs. like itching himself like crazy. And so they're like, oops, maybe this street dog has fleas. So let's give him a bath. Um, which, oh God, you know, oh I will say at least the other kids did actually go home like their dad told them to. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they drag the dog into the bathroom Um Technically, this dog is, like, possibly an accomplice. It's unclear. But, um, again, they just dog-napped him and was like, this is ours now. It could even not even be the thief's dog, but this is now their dog. Which is also a crime. I mean, (laughs) theft. Yeah, you can't just, like, steal someone's dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, good point. Yet another crime. (laughs) Yeah. So, very creepily, as they're in this house, as they're in the house, we see kind of, like, in the windows... Uh, the trench-coated figure watching them and kind of lurking outside. Mm. Yeah. The creepy. Mm -hmm. But these small children are too focused on the dog, and they eventually do get him into the tub for a little rub-a-dub-dub, and not really thinking about it, they take, obviously, 
the dog's collar off for his bath and they just kind of like toss it onto like a side table in the bathroom that's just beneath a window. And as the kids are focusing on bath time, Choo Choo starts sniffing the collar, which, you know, dogs would do. Mm -hmm. And as Choo Choo is doing that, thank goodness, the window is slowly sliding open and a hand is reaching in for the collar. And just as the hand grabs the collar, Choo Choo lunges and bites the collar as well as they start playing tug of war because we see that taped inside of the collar is the piece of jade. Ooh. Ooh, the the dog is an accomplice. The dog is an accomplice. (laughs) Dirty dog. So... (laughs) As this tug of war ensues with Choo Choo and the man, uh, the man, Choo Choo, again, as a reminder, is a very small little mop dog. Mm -hmm. And the man just yanks Choo Choo out the window into the yard. The kids obviously have realized shit's going down at this point. They run out to help. Uh, Fortunately, the kids and Choo Choo are able to get the collar out of the man's hands, but... Not before the thief is able to, while holding on to it, just take the taped jade off. Because that's obviously all this man that's is after. It's like, I don't yeah. care about the collar. I don't <laughs> you care guys about the can collar. have the collar. <laughs> or the dog, because he just leaves the dog there again and leaves with the jade. Aww. A crime in my book. Yeah. Yes. And it, it actually negates the kid's crime of stealing the dog exactly. now because now it's like okay i guess you're giving us this dog <laughs> yeah originally it was a crime but then you didn't say no yeah you so didn't take him back dog. when you had a chance yeah but by the time the older kids get back and both realize this dog's an accomplice also you dog napped him also this could be helpful because this dog could lead us to the thief's lair actually mm. So they just open Smart. up the door and they're like, all right, dog, <laughs> go home. Take us in. <laughs> we'll follow you. Oh, go ahead. You know okay. What? I'm just not going to say works. anything. Okay, good. Because it's like, it could work. It could go horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, just get the dog back out on the streets. Yeah. Who knows? So uh, the kids, um, yes, follow this dog who starts walking home. And the dog leads them back to the docks. And not just back to the docks, but back to the yacht. And the dog just waltzes up the ramp of the yacht, which is lined with the poorly depicted um, guards. Mm -hmm. And none of the guards stop him. So the kids are like, huh? oh shit, the thief is on the yacht. Like the call is coming from inside the house. How do we get safely on board, both to catch the thief and to warn our dad? Because now they see Charlie Chan is on the uh, one of the decks of the yacht with, again, kind of the all the other men, the guards. They've got the Maharaja, the lieutenant, the assistant, the captain. So instead of, well, I guess some of the kids are like, well, our dad's there. We can probably just walk on board. They're not going to stop us. But Stanley says, no, no, I will go under undercover here. Oh, no. And yes, this is where, <laughs> and again, an unfortunate depiction. 
Stanley is like, great. I see the Indian guards in their outfits. Let me put one on too. But one that would be like, I can only describe it as like, would be in like a Disney movie from like the 1950s <laughs> depicting like Indian culture. So it's like, so not, eight, even... not even eight, like 18 times <laughs> the size oh my of like everything. The pants are like huge. Like the, it, it's all just over the top. I think he has the big mustache on. Uh... <laughs> it's not great. And so I guess it works though. He runs on board and I get by, I guess it works. I mean, much like in your episode, they're like, oh, hey, Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> like they know it's not one of their own. Yeah. Uh, it's clearly a child dressed yeah. up. Like, do you think they don't like clock in or whatever? The guards, <laughs> yeah. like they know who's on duty. They and also, like, they've been all on the same boat together. Yeah. They also, he's also just in a vest and shirtless. Like, this is clearly a child. A child. Not, like, a huge, ripped um, <laughs> Indian man. So, uh, but okay, anyways. Stanley. Go off, Stanley. Yes. Go off. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Stanley immediately, obviously, like, fucks it up. No one even pays attention to him because they knew it was mm-hmm. Stanley. And the rest of the kids just walk on board with Choo Choo. <laughs> uh-huh. like, don't behind stop them. Him. That's what I was going to say. Like, won't they, wouldn't the guards just let them on because their dad is on the yes. ship? It's like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. the Chan kids. Come on, just don't, don't mess anything up. But you got, come on in. <laughs> yeah, literally, you guys are probably here to see your dad. Go for it. And that's yeah. exactly what happens. Yeah. <laughs> they all just walk up. Um, uh-huh. And so as they walk up on deck, Choo Choo, the good boy, starts mm-hmm. sniffing around, um, like knows the scent of the collar, knows the scent of the dog, is like, let me track this down. Yeah. And Choo Choo, there's like a, on the deck, there's, um, you know, a door to like go into like cabins and like quarters and stuff and stops on the doors and starts barking. Um, and as all, as Choo Choo's doing this, all of the kids start like raising the alarm being like, dad, dad, this is like Choo Choo's confirming it. Like the thief is here somewhere. Um, and the assistant is like, basically like these kids are smarter than you, Charlie Chan. Like, yeah, clearly they've been on the case. Like, like I said, it was the guards. The guards are like, excuse me, bro? What? What now? And the oh, lieutenant yeah. is skeptical because he's like, but we questioned the guards and their alibi checks out, which like, I'm going to say this is not an alibi, but I think they just needed to use the term. Because <laughs> apparently the guards are like, well, it wasn't us because when like the fire alarm went off, or like the smoke alarm or whatever. Um, we all left because we were ordered to flee the building in Hindi. Like we all heard it. Like clearly, if it was in Hindi, it was coming from like someone we worked for. No problem. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like the opposite of an alibi. <laughs> it's like they're saying an alibi is not knowing the whereabouts of where these people are. <laughs> yeah, we just heard a voice in Hindi. So yeah. we were like cool we'll leave trust us we did it that's like well i didn't murder someone because i was told not to be at the scene of the crime right <laughs> i heard someone tell me to leave so yeah. i ran out of the house right. so i don't saying... know how the person inside the house got murdered it couldn't have yeah. been me someone what? told me to leave i heard a yeah. voice <laughs> yeah so i left 
Um, and rightfully, the assistant is like, yeah, that's not a fucking alibi. <laughs> He's like telling but, this to the lieutenant, like the police yeah. officer, like, He's idiot, like, it's not a what's this? Um, and uh, the assistant goes on to say, like, yeah, not only is that paper thin, mm-hmm. um, but the guards here are the only ones who know Hindi. So, like, the quote-unquote oh. voice that, like, ordered them out must have been one of their own um, as, like, a distraction or something. And Charlie Chan is like, yeah, that's, like, a pretty good point, actually. And, like, <laughs> I was escorting, like, my clients, like, the Maharaja out. So, like, it couldn't have been him who I would assume probably knows Hindi because these are his guards. Right. So, like, yeah, that that actually checks out. Oh, which means thank you in Hindi. Uh-huh. And without missing a beat, the assistant says something that sounds like Koibat Nani, I think, which means you're welcome or like no problem in Hindi. Oh. So clearly someone else knows Hindi. Mm. And just then Choo Choo is able to push open the door on the deck and drag out a suitcase that he pops open with his little nosy that has a mustache in it. And on mm. the suitcase, it says Slively's name, which is the mm. assistant. So yes. now, knowing that he is most likely cornered, he's given away that he knows Hindi. For some reason, he has a black mustache hidden away. Mm-hmm. He pulls also, the sorry. <laughs> There's a suitcase. Yes. Okay, no, keep going. Never it's mind. Costume suitcase. Stanley's probably like, yeah, I got one too. I got one too. I thought for a second, I was like, is there only a mustache in this suitcase? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, okay. it's always off. <laughs> it's a massive suitcase. You open it, just one fake mustache. <laughs> <laughs> My mustache. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, uh-huh. yes, the assistant, I mean, he's cornered pulls the jade out of his pocket and is like, hey, y'all bitches have caught me, but you gotta catch me first. Uh, or I guess kind of red-handed, but you gotta catch yeah. me first. Starts running. Like a badass, Charlie Chan orders the guards in Hindi to grab the assistant. So it's Charlie, Charlie. Is Hindi, um, which is cool. This is why he's so, the greatest detective yeah. in the world. Exactly. He knows like probably 30 languages. <laughs> I mean, no joke, probably. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the guards who have spent all day being accused by this assistant mm-hmm. for a crime that the assistant did real quick snatch him up and oh, bring okay. him to the authorities. They're literally mm-hmm. grabbed him like by the collar and like hold him up because they're huge dudes. Yeah. And angry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And pissed off. The summer rightful vengeance. Uh, and so. Uh, we wrap up with the, this episode with a few things. So one, yes, the assistant being turned into the authorities. Mm-hmm. Two, the Chan kids who are talking about how they're going to rehome the dog who's like cuddling on like Susie's lap. They're going to find him a very nice place to live somewhere where right. hopefully his owner, who was the assistant, won't be a criminal. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Can only hope. But <laughs> before I say this is the end some wild speculation namely i believe that the assistant had indeed been in line to become a maharaja but Mm. was very young in 1947 when um the indian independence happened and thus his family lost their royal name and he lost his chance to become a powerful prince and must have come from a family that did not or that maybe squandered their wealth or just fucked up how they spent it. Mm-hmm. Not power enough, 
to maintain their wealth. And thus the prince or the assistant wanting to be a rich prince said, well, you know what? I'm going to go undercover and steal it from this other fucking family becomes the assistant of this Maharaja had the plan to steal the Jade, get his family's name and money back, et cetera, et cetera. Get that cold, hard cash, get that fortune and fame back. But now Charlie Chan on the case. That long con. That was long con, baby. Con. He's like, what do I need to out. study in school? What background checks do I need to go through? Whatever I got to do to be the assistant to this Maharaja. Exactly. <laughs> and then he like gets the jade value and it's like $40. <laughs> no. God damn it. <laughs> Only 20 carats worth $2 each. <laughs> So uh, yes. great job. Uh, oh my gosh. That's, that's the wild ride. Wow. I love it. That um there are a lot of things I want to say, but there's a lot in that episode. That yeah, there's a lot going on. I, I just happened. love that all three kids got taken into like the police station. <laughs> or I mean all three <laughs> groups of kids, like yeah. all We're ten all of in them. There. All, all like being fingerprinted, being invoked, yeah. like Charlie Chan. You see, like their like, mug shots being taken. <laughs> scooters when Charlie on, like, Chan... this giant stool or something. <laughs> yeah, for the little ones. Yeah. Like Flip, who's like always down to like be arresting people, like already has a shank made. But like <laughs> when Charlie Chan got word, he got, he was like, God damn it, how much is the bail? Like he was already writing the check. Times ten though. Yeah, exactly. Like so Fifty thousand a pop. Yeah. He's like, if any of you tell your mother, he's actually now bribing the guards so it's off their record so the mom can never find out. <laughs> like asking the Maharaja, like, dude, I'm Pull sorry, strings, but bro. can you please? <laughs> yeah. Please. Yeah, I know that technically. <laughs> Your jade got lost on my watch, but if I get it back, I don't need payment. If you look, Henry's 18. This is gonna be on his record. Can yeah. you just wipe that shit clean? Please. Like, you know I what? guess the lieutenant was also like friendly and helpful too. Like, please, you guys, like help help me out. Like, come on, you, you know I'm good for it. I'm good for yeah, the favor. I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. <laughs> yeah. Get this record clean. <laughs> so uh, yes. Uh it was wild. There's a lot of there was only one crime that they had to solve but at least six that they committed <laughs> so this was a very busy day for this country the city's law enforcement yeah i yeah. am a family exactly like, like we've never seen so many crimes committed in like a two-hour span ever right. they're never gonna be about loud back in this country from this crime-ridden <laughs> family also like you know somewhere in that mailbox someone was like sending their sick grandma like a birthday card or something and never got it because little scooter was just it. like <laughs> not the jade next you see like the postal service like having a headache like trying to match the mail back to the envelope <laughs> like exactly it becomes this like oh. national like mail crime that's happened <laughs> There's like some of the most important mail, like that some politician or some government agency had to send to someone. Uh-huh. Of course, it would just be in like a mailbox on the corner of the street. Yeah. But yeah. it actually uncovers like multiple other crime rings, but they like 
can't match it to like the envelope that it was in because it was so full and so now it's like this multi-year millions of dollars like investigation that happened. like a sting operation they, they were like they have to call something? scooter in again and again to be part of it to crack it the six-year-old you see charlie like dropping him off at like the cia headquarters or something or like mi6 headquarters like <laughs> every week and scooter just like do 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 walks in like pops down in a chair like, oh, yeah, back back. that one <laughs> i put out of that envelope use box please yeah like, or, like you like cut to it's like a pile of juice boxes as if it was like coffee behind him like juice me baby yeah his this hair case. is like all crazy he's like trying to put them all together Red yard <laughs> behind him. put me in the mailbox uh, i can do it again i can do it again <laughs> i need to be undercover. in that state of mind i need to go back to where i was when he goes I undercover up. as male he's just like in a giant envelope he's just in a package <laughs> he's in package like shaking let me wow. in. These so, chans. Uh, anyways, amazing. yeah, the amazing wow. chans and the chan clan is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, I love as it was show. our first two episodes. As it, yes, yes, the same as it was this week. I love it so much. Next week, you'll be back with another adventure with mm-hmm. the clan. And between now and then, who should our listeners uh, tell about this podcast? No, I can't. Think, I can't remember if we've done this before. I feel like we have, but I don't care. I'm going to say it again. Tell a postal worker. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure we've said it before, but tell Stands them again true. because they probably, they're going to like be pulling their hair out listening to this episode. Like, do you know how many people we've had to turn into the authorities for this exact type of shit? <laughs> well, thank, yeah, you I think- for, thank you for giving us justice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we've done postal worker, but maybe yeah, like FedEx worker. Uh, okay, so that's how that. we'll change it yeah. up slightly. Sure. Yeah, I'll say UPS worker. Uh, UPS, FedEx, whoever. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes, I think you should also uh, tell. Uh, well, you know what? You can also get like stamps and packaging stuff from like office supply stores, from, like mm, Office Max mm-hmm. and stuff. So yeah, next time you're in buying some office supplies, if you work from home or whatever, let them know. Tell Be them. like, yeah, we know retail is hard. And you have postal service shit on top of it of like having to deal with like mm-hmm. stamps and all that. Get, listen to this podcast, brighten up your day yeah. a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. So there great. you go. Uh, great. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like, and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmorneMist, all the abreeds. And let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. 
See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries.